Good morning, and welcome to Our American Heritage. I am Mark Hunter, the host of your program. Our American Heritage program will explore in depth the American experience from its beginning through the present. And today we want to welcome as our guest, uh, Mr. Mark Urbach. Mark, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Arch. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Mark taught social studies for 11 years in the public school system. He has authored two books. He is a self-taught constitutionalist. Mark also ran for the governor of Georgia in 2018. He received a BS in communication from the University of Florida and his master's in education from Georgia State University. And he is now the communications director for We the Kids. And also, Mark lives in Atlanta. And listeners, he at one time lived in Morristown, New Jersey. So he's actually, I'm going to say he's actually a northerner. So, Mark, thank you. And thank you for coming <laughs> and sharing with us. And Mark's going to speak to us today about Dr. Benjamin Rush. And Mark, before you started talking about Dr. Benjamin Rush, my question to you is, what perked your interest at first about reading and studying Dr. Rush? Well, I quickly found out, thank, thank you again, Arch, for having me. I quickly found out that Dr. Rush was the father of American public schools. So that really piqued my interest as a former teacher. I wanted to learn about this founding father, and the, the man was just simply amazing with all the things he accomplished. Okay. And just curiosity, Mark, when you were in elementary school and middle school and high school, did you come through the public school system yourself? No, I went to a private elementary school and a private high school. Okay. And, and, and Dr. Rush wasn't mentioned. So it's, it's very obvious that he was one of the most important of our founding fathers, yet few people recognize his name. That really piqued my interest. I wanted to write about him to share with the American public how great of a man he was. And, and you're right, because, you know, I, I would assume that most people, if they have heard of Dr. Benjamin Rush, they would just assume that he was some sort of a, a physician. And so. Right. OK, well, then begin, Mark, if you would, speaking to us and talking to us about Dr. Rush and his background, his importance, founding father, what he did for medicine or in education, please. Sure, sure. Well, Dr. Rush, he was the only founding father with a medical degree. He favored free public schools and keeping the Bible in schools. He was a prominent civic leader in Philadelphia, where he was a physician, politician, social reformer, and educator. He founded two colleges. He was a leading abolitionist of his day, and many people don't know this, but he helped start the first African-American church in America, the AME Church. He also started the first Bible Society in America. He was active with the Sons of Liberty. He signed the Declaration of Independence and served as a Surgeon General for the Continental Army during the war. He also became a professor of chemistry at the University of Pennsylvania. He's regarded as the father of American psychiatry, the father of American public schools, and he greatly helped Pennsylvania become the first state to abolish slavery. Two or three of those things would be an amazing for any person during a lifetime. But all those tidbits of information you gave us about him, it boggles my mind that someone could do that much in a lifetime. Yet he was by every means a social reformer. Wherever he saw there was a problem, he injected his mind and his efforts to solving that problem. Whether it was cleaning the streets of Philadelphia, to alleviating the poor, to establishing free public schools for the nation, he, he was a guy, he was a social reformer amongst the founding fathers. And you said, where was he born? Where did he primarily live most of his life? I believe he was born about 10 to 12 miles outside of Philadelphia. But later on in life, he resided inside the city of Philadelphia, where he established a medical practice. 
Okay. You mentioned the colleges that he helped start. What were the, the schools that he helped start? Dickinson College and Franklin and Marshall College. Wow. Which are today two very elite colleges in Pennsylvania. Yeah, rightfully so. Yes, they are. And what made him decide to go into medicine, I assume, as a, as a young person? Yeah, he got his medical degree, I believe, from, I think it was the University of Scotland. It was the greatest, it was the best medical university in the world at the time. I'm not sure exactly why he decided to get a medical degree, but he came back to Philadelphia and opened a practice and served mostly the poor. And as a social reformer, he thought it was his duty to help out and alleviate the poor in the city of Philadelphia. Hmm. And you mentioned that he was was a great abolitionist. What were what did he do to help that movement, particularly in Pennsylvania and even closer in Philadelphia? Well, he helped start the first African-American church with Reverend Richard Allen, the AME Church in Philadelphia. He, he believed that slavery was cruel and un, an unusual punishment, and he wanted to abolish it. He thought it was a national sin to enslave people. And he greatly helped the state legislature of Pennsylvania, again, become the first state to abolish slavery in the Union. So he greatly had an impact on abolishing slavery in Pennsylvania. And I believe other founding fathers took the cause and adopted his reforms by, I believe it was by 1815, all the northern states had abolished slavery. And it was because of our founding fathers. Many people don't realize this, but it was the founding fathers who took the first steps to abolish slavery in America. And Mark, what was Dr. Rush's religious background? I'm asking that because, you know, the Quakers were well known in Pennsylvania to, to be abolitionists. And so what was Dr. Rush's religious background and beliefs? I know he was a Protestant, but I'm not sure which sect of Protestantism he favored. Uh, I really don't know. So, so he was not a Quaker? No, he was not a Quaker. Okay. Uh, did he have, because Benjamin Franklin was also a great proponent of the abolitionist movement. Did Dr. Rush have a lot of conversations or relationship with Benjamin Franklin? Yeah, I believe he did. I'm sure they wrote letters. There were prolific writers writing letters back and forth to one another. They did this because they knew there were, some of their letters would appear in the newspapers and affect public opinion. So he was a friend of Dr. Benjamin Franklin. And both of them greatly affected Pennsylvania and the nation in itself. He was very, Dr. Rush was very, very much in favor of keeping the Bible in the public schools. That's what he fought for his entire life. So with his medical practice in Philadelphia, he was also involved in the abolitionist movement, the beginning of the, the Bible Society. Could you share with our, our listeners about his background with the Bible Society and, you know, the influence that he had with that organization? I don't know a lot about it other than he helped start the Bible Society in Philadelphia, which became the Bible Society for Pennsylvania. Other founding fathers took his lead and they established Bible societies in their states. I don't know if he had a certain title within the organization, but this is where we get our Bible societies from, is from the Founding Fathers. They're, they're the ones who started these organizations. And with the Declaration of Independence, share with our listeners, please, was he a representative to the Continental Congress? And what was his background with the beginning of the revolution? Did he favor it right away, or did he want to see if things could be worked out with Great Britain? That's a great question. He was very, very much in favor of independence from England. He became friends with Thomas Paine, and he was the one, Dr. Rush actually edited Thomas Paine's pamphlet, Common Sense. It was Dr. Rush who came up with the name Common Sense. Most people don't know that, but that's true. So he was very, very much in favor of independence. He was a delegate to the Second Continental Congress. 
And he was one of the, I think there were 10 individuals from Pennsylvania who signed the Declaration of Independence. So he was very much in favor of liberty and freedom from England. He saw the king as a tyrant oppressing the colonists, and uh, he signed his name to the document. Was there any other documents that you know of, which I, you know, I didn't know that he helped uh, Thomas Paine with common sense and came up with a title. Were there other documents that he helped forge the wording on or ed- the editorial parts of it? Do you know? I'm not sure if he had any hand to do with the Constitution of Pennsylvania, but he, he, he was not there during the convention that signed the Constitution. So I'm not sure if there's any other famous documents that he put his hand to. But he was very well known throughout the colonies. And John Adams said, quote, Dr. Rush was a greater and better man than Dr. Franklin. Yet Rush was always persecuted and Franklin always adored. Rush has done infinitely more good to America than Franklin. Both had deserved a high rank among benefactors to their country and mankind, but Rush by far the highest, end quote. And that was John Adams' feelings towards Dr. Rush. And that's a that's a pretty powerful statement by, you know, another one of our founding fathers. Uh, during the revolution, Mark, Dr. Rush came to the point at one time where he believed that it was time to replace General Washington as commander in chief. Did he ever change his mind about that or share with our listeners uh, the background of that and really what went on behind the scenes with his eventually feeling that way? Yes, a good question. He did write a letter to the Congress explaining his dislike for what Washington was doing. Then he wrote another letter asking that that previous letter, the the previous letter be thrown away. It wasn't thrown away. It was read by Washington and Washington became quite upset about it. But later on, after the war, Rush and Washington became friends and Rush had a tremendous admiration towards Washington. And so he has the thinking and he he changes it. And the listeners, there were a lot of people who wanted to have George Washington replace as commander in chief. And most of them, as time went on, changed their mind and realized that they were looking very narrowly into what was going on. How did Rush, Dr. Rush and George Washington, what was some of their meetings and uh, uh, talking back and forth, particularly after the revolution and for the rest of their lives? Well, I'm sure they wrote letters to each other. I don't know if they've ever, I don't even, I, I've researched Dr. Rush. I couldn't find when he and Washington actually met and had a discussion and they exchanged private letters. But I do know that Rush did not want that letter that he sent to be published and Washington to read it. Unfortunately, Washington did read it. But like I said, after the war, the two became friends and Rush had a tremendous love and respect towards Washington. Mm-hmm. During the revolution, What was Dr. Rush's place, or what did he do during the revolution to support it? Well, most people don't know this, but Dr. Rush was on the boat that carried Washington across the Delaware on the Christmas Eve. And he was on that boat with Washington as they crossed the Delaware and surprised the Hessians. He was a Surgeon General for the Continental Army uh, until he, again, he's a tremendous writer. He wrote a letter to the Congress saying that the army was not being cleanly enough, that the camps were not clean enough. Mm-hmm. And his letter was disregarded, so he resigned from his uh, office of Surgeon General for the army. So what was he doing with Washington's troops crossing the Delaware for the attack on Trenton? Dr. Rush, during one of the battles, I'm not sure which battle it was, went and started 
providing medical care to a soldier that was wounded. That had never been done in warfare before. Soldiers would just just bleed out on the battlefield and die. But Dr. Rush sought to help a soldier out in, in terms of healing his wounds. So that's the type of man he was. He was very, very courageous in battle to go out into the, out into sure. the field to help out a soldier. And as time went on, Mark, through the revolution, what do we see Dr. Benjamin Rush doing for the cause of the revolution, you know, either supporting it militarily or medically? Well, he was a member of the Sons of Liberty, for one. During the revolution, I don't have a lot of knowledge of what he was actually, other than his office of Surgeon General for the Continental Army. But after he resigned, I believe he just went back to Philadelphia and resumed his medical practice. And during his medical practice, was he, because we have several medical colleges in, in, in Philadelphia at the time, was he training other physicians, teaching other physicians? Yes. Yeah, supposedly he taught up to 3,000 students that learned from Dr. Rush. There's a famous author that wrote a biography on Dr. Rush that compared him much greater than Sigmund Freud, because it was Dr. Rush who started the psychiatry of mentally ill patients. Dr. Rush had uh, had brilliant ideas how to, how to solve people's problems. There's one instance, Dr. Rush visited a, a mental ward where the people, the, the, uh, the individual was just lying on hay on the ground. And Dr. Rush found that found this practice uh, just intolerable. And he developed ways to get inside a person's head, basically, with questions and answers, psychoanalysis, what have you. And that's why he's called the father of American psychiatry. And again, as you said, so when he's in these situations, he is uh, he's also a proponent of the abolitionist movement, helping to create the MEA church, MEA church in 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 the colonies. And, you know, so we you're painting this picture of a man who is tremendously active in a lot of either medical or social ways, particularly in in Pennsylvania, i.e. in Philadelphia. Right, right. Another one of his big key things that he greatly believed in was keeping the Bible in the schools. He said, quote, that it's better to read the Bible in schools than at home because schools is where he learned the Bible. You know, the first book was the New England Primer that all the founding fathers learned from. And then they went to private schools and learned the Bible. And he said, quote, we waste so much time and money in punishing crimes and take so little pains to prevent them, meaning that if we don't keep the Bible in schools, we take so much time and money in punishing crimes and take so little pains to prevent them. He was very adamant about, he was very, very adamant about what, when he saw a flaw in society, like punishing crimes and spending a lot of money punishing crimes, that was a problem. And even in his day, there are people that were voicing concerns that the Bible should be taken out of the schools. And he said, that is something we cannot have. We must keep the Bible in America's schools. He was very adamant about that. And we see he was way before his time, as we see as what has transpired in our country since 1962 with the Bible reading in the schools and, 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 the, and the public school system. He has, a, he has another very famous quote uh, in terms of uh, keeping the Bible in schools. He says, without religion, and he's obviously referring to the Bible, quote, without religion, I believe learning does real mischief to the morals and principles of mankind, meaning without the Bible in the schools, the students are learning information, but they're not learning morals and uh, good principles of mankind. They're just learning content information. 
with powerful, powerful statement and very um, prophetic statement as we see what's what's transpiring today in our culture and our society and our country. Speak, Mark, if you would, a little bit about you. You've mentioned that he was a member of the Sons of Liberty. Do we have much information about what his responsibilities were and how he supported the Sons of Liberty? I couldn't find any information about that. I'm sure he wrote letters. He possibly could provided financial sums of money towards the organization. But unfortunately, I don't have a lot of information about his impact with the Sons of Liberty other than he was a member. And I found it interesting that we don't know many members of the Sons of Liberty because they were a secret organization in each colony. And yet we know some in Boston and we know, do you know how we found out that he was a Son of Liberty, or was it just because of his uh, his visibleness in the Philadelphia area? I think it was just because he, such, he was such a prominent citizen in Philadelphia um, that he became a member of the Sons of Liberty. But I don't, I couldn't find any information about himself within the organization. Okay. It was a secret, like you said, it was a secret organization. <laughs> so he he signs the Declaration of Independence. He has significant medical experience during the Revolution. He has a great concern about continuing to have Bible reading in the schools. He helps the AME Church Foundation. He is an abolitionist. And just so many of these things were together, how important all these things were for our beginning and then actually through today. What was his activity with the Constitutional Convention? Well, he was not there. He was not there, but he greatly shaped the, the Constitution of Pennsylvania. Do, do we know why Dr. Rush was not at or a representative from Pennsylvania during the Constitutional Convention? Do we, do we know the I, reason? I re- yeah, I researched that, but I couldn't find out why he wasn't a delegate to the Constitutional Convention. So I really don't know. It's interesting when you research Dr. Rush, there's, there's a lot of information out there. But the best information is is by the biographies written by authors. And I haven't read their books yet. I'm, I'm researching all different sorts of websites in private letters that I researched about Dr. Rush. So I'm not sure why he wasn't a delegate to the Constitutional Convention. Huh. And it would be interesting to, again, as we as historians, that's something else that we begin to dig into and try to find the answers for. The one thing that he wanted Americans to know about him is how much of a Christian he was and the the Christian life that he led. He has a very, very famous quote um, that he wrote that states, quote, The great enemy of the salvation of man, in my opinion, never invented a more effectual means of extinguishing Christianity from the world than by persuading mankind that it was improper to read the Bible at schools. The Bible, when not read in schools, is seldom read in any subsequent period of life. It should be read in our schools in preference to all other books, from its containing the greatest portion of that kind of knowledge which is calculated to produce private and temporal or secular happiness. Hmm. That was a letter he wrote to Elias Boudinot on July 9th, 1788. Wow. Wow. So, yes, he was very, very, in fact, in fact, this is, this is a true quote. When he, like I said, there were people, there were deists in his days that were pushing the Bible out of the classroom because they wanted students to be learning math and history and language arts and Latin and the classics. So the Bible was getting pushed to the back of the classroom. And when he when he saw this happening, he proposed in 1806, quote, that this should be written above all the courthouses and public buildings, quote, the son of man came into the world not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. End wow. quote. 
Wow. He was very much an Orthodox Christian. And was he was he married? Did he have children? Do yes, we... he was married. I'm trying to remember her name. I can't remember her name, That's but right. he did have children. Yes, he did. Have yes, children. he did. And and then we only have a few minutes left, Mark. But share with our listeners, please, his later life. You know, after the revolution, and and after you know we got through this, and we got what was the the end, the latter years of his life. Well, he fought for the abolition of slaves. He continued his medical practice until he retired. He was a social reformer. Wherever he saw there were problems, he would write letters that hopefully would appear in the newspapers. Like, for instance, the streets should be cleaned. Uh, he even wrote about the greatness of the animals in America, that they provide our food and clothing. Um, so he continued and he continued with his uh, with the psychiatric care of the poor and, and ill patients. And uh, how old, Mark, was Dr. Rush when he passed away? Oh, my goodness. Give me a second. Let me figure this out real quick. Uh, how old was he? I think I think he was 68. But let me okay. double check real quick. And to think, Mark, that this man had so many accomplishments uh, and 68 is really not that old to pass away. So this founding father had tremendous impact on so many different levels in our country, in our society, in our religious beliefs, in education, in medical practice. And yet, as you said, he is one of our founding fathers that we we simply don't know a lot about and, and how important yes. he was. Right. He was sick. I was off by one year. He was 67 when he died in April 19th, 1813. Uh, he's buried in uh, Christ Church burial ground in Philadelphia next to his wife. And do you know if because uh, our listeners are familiar with Christ Church at the burial ground at Christ Church, very close to Independence Hall. So, Mark, as we're wrapping up here, share with our listeners, please, again, why you believe we need to study Dr. Benjamin Rust and go back and pull out the documents and see the valuableness that this man had for the founding of our country and as a founding father. Yeah, well, Dr. Rush is, is well worth reading about, studying and admiring and loving because when he saw a problem, he wrote about it, which was what you did back in his day, and he took action to solve the problem. Uh, he did have 13 children, and um, he was a tremendous abolitionist, tremendous Christian, he wanted to keep the Bible in the schools, and it's common sense. It's funny I say that, but it's common sense why he wanted to keep the Bible in schools, because he knew that without the Bible, people would become evil, and you mm -hmm. get all the sins in society, um, prostitution, brothels, crime, sin and evil, people attacking each other. He knew the Bible was a great moral corrector of the heart. So Dr. Rush is very, very much worth studying, and um, I guarantee you that if you just simply read one of his letters, you'll be astounded by how intelligent the man was. He was a tremendous writer with incredible intelligence. So he leaves a great legacy for all Americans to learn from. Well, Mark, we want to thank you for sharing some of the life and the incredible things that Dr. Benjamin Rush did as a founding father and on so many different levels. And listeners, I hope that, that Mark has encouraged all of us to dig and study Dr. Benjamin Russ and seeing how important he was to the founding of our country and the moral fiber 
and the educational fiber of our country. So, Mark, we want to thank you for coming and sharing. Thank you. Your knowledge about Dr. Benjamin Rush, and we're going to have you back on in, in a future show so that you can continue to share with us some more information about several of our founding fathers. So, Mark, we want to thank you for coming and, and sharing today with our listeners. Thank you so much, Arch. It's been a pleasure. It's been our pleasure to have you. Thank you. So this is WFYL 1180 AM, Working for Your Liberty.